0: Let's talk about the Florida Panthers. Can we be a Florida Panthers podcast instead?
1: Hello and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. Last week's podcast was named The Bag Skate, and uh, you'd like to think that a week later we could discuss something different. Well, I'm not sure if we've got bag skates, but still uh, the mediocrity, the inconsistencies continue among our team, the New York Islanders. He is Phil Farber. I am, I am David Tuckman. You can reach us on X at Tuck on Sports at Phil's Facts. Phil. Phil. Dave yeah
0: maybe uh, they need to do mental exercises instead of physical exercises because i'm seeing just a lot of stupidity all over the ice lots of bad decision making and it's not all coming from like one or two players right and people like to pick on low-hanging fruit it's a lot of people making a lot of bad mistakes at critical junctures of the game and that's uh that's what's sinking them and that's what almost sank them against the penguins also right i I mean it wasn't like, you know, Cal Clutterbuck went out there and threw a blind pass like no, they they had I think for one of those sequences against the Penguins their top line was out there and you know, puck ends up in the back of the net and then 50 seconds later they score another one after we go up 4 to 2. Last night it was again the top line out there for both of those 5 on 5 goals that happened in quick succession to uh, Buchnevich with the Pelican pulak pair. Right, it's it's not. We're not talking about guys who who lack the ability to play or lack the ability to defend. Right, these are the guys who are supposed to help you win games, not shoot you in the foot.
1: Interestingly enough, so last May, uh, as any of you who follow me know, I I coach youth hockey. Last May, I went to the Level Five Symposium uh, at Cape Cod, and uh, a few GMs were talking and coaches were talking. It was really fantastic. If you're a coach, I highly recommend. Uh, going to a level five at some point, USA Hockey Symposium. Nonetheless, there was uh, a particular GM that went up there, and he was talking about uh, teams, and he said, if you took 40 uh, professional hockey players, 20 AHL players, 20 NHL players, and you put them through skills, skating, puck handling, stuff like that, you literally would not be able to tell the difference. And the difference really is just hockey sense, hockey IQ. Um, it's one one of the reasons why goTA is no longer on the New York Islanders. He's playing in the AHL. It's one of the reasons why he hasn't been able to make it. I, I've used that anecdote before. I thought I thought it was worth reiterating since you brought that up. But yeah, you're
0: talking it, about like middle of the lineup players, though.
1: Obviously. Not even really. Yeah, I mean, listen, Connor McDavid you're not is not going to
0: have a McDavid or a Matthews caliber player in the AHL.
1: No, no, it's not a matter of caliber. He, the the point was, he said that to the to even the uh, educated hockey eye. If you're
0: just 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 putting them through
1: skills, I'm talking about skating through cones, doing a sharp turn, coming back in, and taking a nice hard shot on the goalie. Something like that, where it's just, this is what you're doing. You will not be able to tell the difference between an AHL player and an NHL player. Yet, in the game, the chasm between the AHL player and the NHL player is enormous. And we have seen that. Right. For sure. and, And that was their point. And they're not talking about maybe Connor McDavid, who obviously stands out, you know, or maybe an Austin right, Matthews talking release. talking about the difference
0: between you know middle of the lineup player on on any given team versus just you know your run of the mill AHL player, right. and that's why you see so many players who are kind of stuck in between, who who bounce around between the AHL and the NHL so frequently year after year.
1: Right. I guess the uh, bit, like, like I think those. if you look at like a Brad Marchand even, who's you know this guy's in all likelihood a future Hall of Famer. If right. you just put him through, and he was skating through orange cones, you know, and shooting on a goalie, I'm not sure he looks any better than a second-line player in the AHL. Right. You know? I mean,
0: Ruslan Ishkakov would look really good in those drills, too.
1: Exactly. And there's a lot of players like that, and I guess that was their point. And, and the whole thing, in, the, the whole reason for it at the coaching symposium was, hey, as coaches, how do we teach hockey sense? How do we teach mm-hmm. hockey IQ in young players? so that when they get older, it continues on through, you know, the U.S. development team and and on through if they ever make it further than that. And that's the whole point of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Makes sense.
1: And I guess, you know, when you look at this Islander team, yeah, maybe – I don't know what to do because – and I'm I'm not sure if Patty knows what to do at this point. And I'm not sure if he has enough time to fix all the problems that that ail this team. But, yeah, a lot of it seems to be some really just silly mental mistakes from, you know – Romanov's clear that needs to go all the way down the ice. And instead, it goes to the blue line. The defenseman gets it, and it goes right back up the ice, and they score a goal. Um, I was actually – I watched the game late last night because I was, I was in Las Vegas. I had some work, and I was having dinner with a buddy of mine. And he's a Rangers fan. And just to put some salt in my, in my wounds, he is uh, – he's wearing his Rangers jersey. He's wearing his Lundquist jersey. So I walk into the sushi restaurant, and I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but, you know, hey, at least last night I was a Ranger fan, right? And we sit down, and I'm looking down at the, the scores, and I'm going, "Okay, well, this is good. Rangers up two nothing, Wings are down one nothing, right? Tampa Bay is losing, and at this mm-hmm. point, it was 0-0 in the hour of the game. And I'm going to wow, This could be this could Big be night. a fantastic night for the New York Islanders, right? Um, I didn't even care that Pittsburgh was was winning because I feel like they've already they're they're out of it anyway,
0: right? If um, you have to worry about Pittsburgh, then then there's nothing to talk about, regardless.
1: Exactly. So I'm looking at that. I'm going, "Wow, this is amazing." We order some food. I have a beer. Next thing I know, I look down. It's three like, nothing. What? The? Then I look again. Oh. I go, "Wait, three goals in 32 seconds?"
0: Yep, the Islanders special.
1: I mean, how is that even possible? And of course, I, I watched the game later. I got home uh, late last night and I watched the game, and then I, I saw how it was possible. But um, yeah, you you just look at you know a game versus the Rangers that they're up 4-1, 5-3. Find a way to lose in overtime. A game versus Pittsburgh, which, you know, I, I don't like to put too much weight into overtime losses, so I don't want to put too much weight into an overtime win because, again, that's another game they were up four two.
0: No, that, that's a bad game. It's right. a bad. It's a bad game in the sense that I thought for very large stretches of the game we carried play. When we went up three to one, it's not like all of a sudden the Penguins had this big push back on us. Like we were still in control, and then a floater from the blue line that deflects in off of Pellick. And then you're like, all right, here we go again. But then from that point, really, until, I mean, I know we we had a, a PK because of a bad challenge where uh, Wah thought there should be a, a, a missed stoppage there on hand pass, killed off that penalty. Riley took a late penalty, but then they killed that off pretty easily at the beginning of the third period. Unfortunately, Sezikis injured his hand on that penalty kill. And then from that point up until the point where Mike Riley scored, Pittsburgh really had nothing going on. And then Riley scores, and you're like, well, Pittsburgh's looking dead as a duck. We just scored a big goal there. We should be in good shape here. And in t- less than two minutes, it's back to four to four.
1: Yeah. So Sorokin, Sorokin the end with result, a
0: terrible rebound. It terrible just... rebound on the third goal. The fourth goal, there's nothing you could do about it, hitting off of Lee Skate. But what ended up happening from like, even if they would have won that game in regulation, you'd still have that ick feeling. So the fact that they were able to get a walking shot and win it from Adam Pellick, good in terms of standings, and you want to get two points, and you need to get two points in a game like that, but you don't feel good about the fact for the second straight game, late in the third period, you're blowing a multi-goal lead. Okay, before I
1: want to, you know, paint this gloomy picture, because obviously as Islander fans, that's where we're at today on a... Uh... Friday, February twenty third, coming off uh, a terrible loss in St. Louis. I do want a, some positives, right? I mean, Patty came in about a month ago, right? And, Eleven games,
0: four, four, and three.
1: Right, and came into you know what was a an ailing situation, right? I mean, this was a situation that was dire, didn't look good. Um, nothing was. We were getting outshot. We were getting outchanced. Teams were beating us from an analytical standpoint and actually beating us
0: um silver lining there was nothing redeeming about the hockey we were playing under lane, even when we had all those wins in december
1: right I, I yeah you and i were on on top of that we were like this is this is fool's gold folks um i mean you doing- said it you i mean
0: we were at our peak we were in second place and you went out and and said just looking at where things could go in january with the tough schedule lots of road games going out west And then going out to the Midwest, which is a trip we don't usually go well on, you know, do well on. You're like, we're in second place now. We could easily tumble in the standings. And you said that based on the way we were playing. And people like to get caught up in results. And results ultimately are what matter in the league. But there are certain predictors as to how you're going to continue to go on and play over the course of an 82-game season. And winning against Carolina, I think that was the game you pointed out after, right? Where Kochetkov gave up five goals three or four of them were really bad goals that could easily have been a loss and you would have been feeling a lot differently about that going into Christmas break. And then lo and behold, afterward, they start to unravel.
1: Yeah. And and that's a good point you bring up. I mean, I think a lot of times as fans we do get caught up in results and yes, as you pointed out, results are what matters. But if you're looking for indicators and predictors of what's going to happen in the future, um, you know, it didn't look as good as it probably should have for the New York Islanders, even after that Carolina win. And obviously, we've all seen what the last two months have looked like for the New York Islanders. They have uh, uh, The train has fallen off the track, so to speak. Um, so anyway, before we get gloomy and we decide what's next, I do want to paint some good things here. You know, just as after that Carolina game, I was saying, hey, hey, slow down, everybody. Things aren't as rosy as they look. I also don't think that things are as dire as they look. Since Patty has taken over, and keep in mind, he hasn't had that many practices. We had a little bit of a break there, so we got some a few practices in right before the Ranger game. Mm-hmm. The Islanders have been one of the better teams from an analytical standpoint. Their shots are up. Their shots for are up. Their shots are against are down. Their high-danger chances are up. Their high-danger chances against are down. Right? These are very good indicators going forward. Now, is the PK fixed? No, it's still terrible. But the question I wonder is, yeah, we put a new coach in there. But is it too much to ask for him to fix everything in about what is basically 11 games and maybe 11 practices total? Is it too much to ask him to fix every single thing? And like I said, from a silver lining standpoint, at least we can look at this team and go, hey, there are some positives. You know, we're out shooting teams now. That was not the case two months ago, um, we're out chancing teams. I mean, last night, again, from an analytical standpoint, and you can take this for what it is, the expected goals for the Islanders was about, almost five. The expected goals against was under two. Um, that right. does not usually sometimes turn score into a... F-
0: effects, some kind, sometimes score effects plays a role in that where a team gets up in the game early and the team that's chasing obviously has more chances. But even notwithstanding that, before St. Louis had that power play goal... That entire period was all Islanders. Yeah, that's right. Breakaway. Um, You had another. You had a couple of really good scoring chances early on in that period. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. Um, And then you didn't. You didn't feel like they were out of it after that third goal, just because they were playing well, and they continued to generate chances. A Barzal breakaway, a couple of two on ones that they had. Nelson in alone, and and Bennington made a great save on the power play where he made ton of really good saves. And then Palmieri and again with Palmieri a ton of chances, yeah. The Dobson hit a post at one point. Like, they had enough opp. They had more opportunity in that game to score than they did in the previous two games. And they just ran into an extremely hot goalie where if this is a game that's taking place game 11 of the season at the beginning of November, you're probably not really feeling too bad about it. But because of where they are in the standings, everyone is going to obviously judge it through the lens of, well, it's game 56. They still aren't getting wins. They're still not getting it together, and they haven't cleaned their shit up. And, I mean, one thing I wanted to look back at, I wanted to look back at, okay, there was obviously a transformation from Doug Waite's Islanders to Barry Trotz's Islanders. And I wanted to see exactly how long that took, right? 30 games in, they were 14, 12, and 4, right? 14 wins. And
1: keep in mind, he had a training camp.
0: And he had a full training camp. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's a big difference. Right, and 16 losses overall. It really wasn't until around Christmas time that they started to get on a roll and roll off wins and really lean into the system. Like there was a stretch of games in November and the Islanders' defense was very stingy that year. But there was a stretch of games in November where I think six out of seven games, they gave up four plus goals in those games. There was a 7-5 win against the Rangers. They got shut out by the Rangers 5-0. Dallas killed, I can't remember all the games off the top of my head, but I was looking at it this morning, I'm like, that game, The team really didn't start to round into form until Barry had them for, you know, close to three dozen games there. And while implementing a new system, a departure from playing really, really bad hockey for the past hundred and whatever games under Lane, it's just taking more time than than flipping a switch.
1: Uh, well, and th- that we want to happen because because it's 50, because we only have 25 games left in the season, obviously. Right. Um. Anyway, getting back to the XG, the expected goals, uh, your point is really good because. Yes, just like just like the NFL, if your team is constantly up in the fourth quarter, you are going to let up more passing yards. Yep. You know, it's just a very simple thing where, hey, versus Toronto, the game that we actually, I, I thought we dominated them, they actually ended up, the Toronto Maple Leafs ended up with a higher expected goal. I, I think they got like 1.5 in the last minute, you know, yeah. on their expected goal uh, when they were just dominating the six on five. Um, you know, there's clearly a lot of holes in this boat. And, you know, Patty is doing his best job right now to make sure that we are not the Titanic. It might be too late. Um, last night was a really, really big punch in the gut. Uh, with yeah. the Red Wings winning and the Flyers winning.
0: Well, the Flyers didn't play, but they, they but won. The, the Flyers before, winning the night
1: yeah. before that. Um, and the Islanders losing. Even with the Devils losing and the Penguins' recent woes.
0: And Tampa losing.
1: Right. It, you're still looking at, you know, the Islanders six points behind.
0: Five points behind.
1: Oh, they have, they're six.
0: They're five points behind Tampa.
1: Five point. Oh, right. You know what? Thank you. Thank you. So five which behind why, Tampa. Which is why
0: tomorrow, I mean, listen, <laughs> five points behind Tampa, two games in hand, which means you play them tomorrow. If you win in regulation tomorrow, which is now a must-win game. Right? Do we have any? Do we have I any, any faith
1: the Islanders can— Listen, could the Islanders win tomorrow? Not only could they win, the Islanders could win 5-1 tomorrow.
0: Right, do we have any success? faith
1: that this Islander team— can start to string some consistency together. I mean, I'll go back to your point you just said about the Trotz Islanders that first year, and, you know, it took him 30 games. Patty doesn't have 30 games. If you want to uh, if you want to turn this around, he doesn't have 30 games. He's got 14.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'm going to say no. I, I don't think they're going to be capable of pulling this off. But if you want to pull this off, then, then step one is obviously a regulation when tomorrow – in order to kind of control your own destiny vis-a-vis that Tampa, uh, you know, that Tampa race, right? Six games to the trade deadline. Realistically, you need to win five of them, right? And those wins need, two of those wins need to come against Tampa and Detroit in order for you to be able to stay in the mix. And should they add, should they sell? Well, I mean, to be quite frank, they shouldn't add. I don't think this is a matter of a piece making a difference, right? You Well, let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. So that
1: was my question for you. You know, what do we do now? What What would you do if you were advising Lou, or if you were in that position? Um, you make you can make the argument that while Lou added last year, I'm not sure if he added last year with his eyes on, hey, let's add for this season. He was making hockey trades that he thought could help the team going forward. Mm-hmm. So while I certainly don't think, and this has kind of been a Lou Lamorello staple, Lou Lamorello will only trade for a rental in a year that he thinks he can win the Stanley Cup, and that's clearly not that's not his goal right this year. So if he makes a trade at the trade deadline, it's a trade that he thinks is going for for the following year as well, and the year after that possibly. Um, you know, some people like some people like to say Lou doesn't go for rentals. That's not true. Lou has traded for many rentals over his career. It's just a situation where, hey, this team's got to be in first place or you know top four, top five team in the league, to, to trade for a rental, in my opinion. Um, so what do you do now? Is is there a move out there that improves this team, not just now but going forward, um, or is there a thought? Hey, Mike Riley has kind of raised his trade value. Could we get something for him? Um, probably could get something. Cal Clutterbuck. You know,
0: is there a trade yeah, I mean, or listen, is there
1: something more drastic involved? Is there a move Brock Nelson? Is there is there something like that in there?
0: I I kind of think I've moved to the you don't move Brock Nelson at this trade deadline camp. Right. And the reason is you're already you're already so invested in next season. Right, with Barzal, Horvat, Dobson, the Sorokin deal kicking in. Really, really the big thing is the Sorokin deal kicking in. That to me Unless you're able to find a, an NHL now ready, you know, second line capable center in a trade. Again, and it's a hard thing to pull off, right? I'm I'm looking for the Brassard Zavanna J- Jad deal here. And those deals don't typically exist. Teams don't usually make those trades. But outside of that type of trade, I just even if you're gonna get marginally less value holding on to him for the extra year and shopping him next trade deadline if 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 things don't go your way. I think they're so invested in next year that you you're at, at this point you have to keep him. Moves I would make: I would move Cal Clutterbuck off, right? If Sizikus is done for the season, well, you're not going to have the identity line next year with Sizik with Clutterbuck and Martin being gone. So I would trade Cal Clutterbuck; he's for sure has trade value. I would get rid of Matt Martin, whether he has trade value, whether he doesn't have trade value, just take him out of the rotation. He's doing you no good being in the lineup, right? He's not giving up goals, but he's also not scoring goals, and he only has three points through thirty some odd games, so. You know, let someone else come in and, and play that role. I would get rid of Oliver Wallstrom at this point. I think we've seen enough of him. Is there a trade for the future where you're getting a, again, like that Romanov type player, young player could fill in a, you know, middle six, top six role? And, you know, you swing a creative deal to do that where is going, again, I don't know who that player is, but sure, if that's the type of deal you want to move. And it's not prohibitive in terms of asset cost, then, yeah, I'm I'm all for that. But to rent a player right now to go after an Eberle or a Henrique, or someone of that nature, just makes absolutely no sense.
1: That's and that's not. I, I think it's pretty pretty clear that's not going to happen. Right. Um, I mean, it, it would be interesting at this point of the season. I mean, especially if they get a couple more losses over the next couple of games, to see what a Kyle McLean, fashing fill in, who knows, Gautier or something, fourth line. I don't know. Um, I don't think I think clearly it's not Gautier, but I'm blanking on who else could it be in that, in that First fourth line
0: call. Coleman, if you want to get a look at Maggio, now that he's starting to play well, I don't know.
1: I've heard that really on Twitter, matter. by the way. A couple people are calling, hey, let's get Maggio up here. And I'm going, to me, I, I, I think we've got to let the guy cook a little bit. He's finally building some confidence down there. He's feeling good. I don't even think he thinks he's ready yet. Why? He probably
0: does think he's ready, but that's just because kids these days, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my kid <laughs> thinks he's ready. No, but why, right. you know, in, in the sense of, like, you know, is there is there any incentive to rush him right now? I could see, by the way, end the season. There's seven, eight games left in the season. And well, that's what I'm
0: talking about. I'm talking about, like, if you resign to the fact that, okay, this team is not going to make the playoffs— then those are the moves I'm talking about where, like, get rid of these four guys and then plug in four new guys and just, just to see what, so what we got, have. Yeah.
1: I mean, is there we a thought to even— See how far away they are. I mean, as much as I'm not an ish guy, I, I think if we're out of it with 10 games left— Do it. You okay. kind of have to call him up, don't you?
0: Yeah. Give him a flavor. Give him a taste. See if any of those fun little tricks translate at the NHL level. They probably don't, but that's all right.
1: What about Riley? you think we can get anything for him at this point?
0: I think so. I mean, how many mobile left-handed defensemen on an expiring contract for peanuts are there available right now who can who can bring scoring, who have playoff experience, who are you know decent defensively? Who I mean, who else comes to mind off the top of your head? Well,
1: I mean, uh, yeah, and then, for the teams that for the teams that miss out on Chris Tanev,
0: okay, the if teams Tane's that a miss a out profile on profile defender, he's a shutdown right-handed defenseman. I'm talking about like m- mobile lefty, right? Well Will you get a locker well, him? Probably not. I think a good comparable would be like. Third round pick that was given for Shane Ghost to spear last year. Okay. Something like that. Why not?
1: I mean, we've got a three for, 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 for nothing. Yeah. Sign me up. I would, I would do that. What does Cal Clutterbuck get us? A three or four? So Yeah, four. All right. So nothing special, but we've seen Lou. Uh, uh, Lou
0: does magic in those mid rounds. <laughs> they call him mid round magic Lou. Is that what they call him? That's what they call him. <laughs> I love it. Uh,
1: the playoffs now, uh, man, it, This is. I'm trying to make this not a depressing podcast. I really am.
0: But Playoffs are a stretch. The playoffs are a pipe dream at this point. Yeah. They are very unlikely.
1: And it's amazing because the East is so mediocre. I mean, you've got the Red Wings so mediocre. kind of are
0: We are the poster child of mediocrity this year. That's, that's truly what we are. It's not that they're not capable of. Of winning games it's that they simply aren't winning games it's it's like a tough thing to explain right you watch them and you go to your you know you you yourself like oh, all these scoring chances you know defense looks better they're not getting caved in anymore right which was a trademark of lane lambert hockey they'd be you know chasing their tails in the defensive zone endlessly not able to clear the puck turning or turning pucks over like crazy that that hasn't been the case in these games you think about the 11 games they played have we beaten? Outplayed in more than three or four of them. Like, I'd say Dallas outplayed us. Seattle outplayed us. Maybe Calgary outplayed us. Right? The other games, you know, handled Tampa pretty well. Should have beat Vegas. Uh, the Florida game, I thought that was pretty even. Florida. Yeah, it just seems up, like each week, each special teams,
1: each game, there's something. Whether each it's game something. whether yep, it's Sorokin, 100%. whether it's the PK. Uh, You know, whether it's a bonehead play, whether we get goal lead, whatever it might be. Let me throw something at you because I'm curious and we're not going to go on for too long today. Obviously, it's a tough week. But like I said, I don't think it's up in December. I didn't think it was as good as it seemed when we were in second place. And right now, I don't think it's nearly as bad as it seems. I think there's some core pieces here that are quite encouraging. And I, I think a lot of our core is actually young and they're not going anywhere. I mean, you've got Dobson, you've got Barzal, you've got Romanov. Uh, you've got Horvat, who's, you know, these are all core pieces to a team. I will ask you this. Kyle Palmieri has been absolutely on fire. He still has one game, one year left on his contract at $5 million, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is there any thought of moving him? Yeah, for sure. I mean, do you try to capitalize when an Sell asset high, is high? Right? right. I mean, do you 100%. look at that and go, hey, this guy has not really been able to stay healthy over the last couple of years. He plays a physical brand of hockey. Mm-hmm. He is gonna at some point the way with he, the the way he plays he's gonna fall off the cliff. Yep. Would we rather sell him a drop early than hold on until it's too late?
0: Yeah, I would sell high on him, hundred percent. I hundred percent. I'd even I'd even retain two million of that cap hit to make him a three million dollar winger for this year or next for another team.
1: And if you're going down that route, and again, this is just more of a retool than anything because I don't think rebuilds work. We're gonna see this in Calgary and you, and, and for any of you Calgary fans out there, and I know we have a lot of Calgary fans, okay? This is mostly an Islanders podcast, but I know.
0: The, Cal, there, okay, the people in Calgary love us.
1: Yeah, right? they love us in Calgary, and they love us in Ireland. And by the way, there's a thought that we, we might just make this a Florida Panthers uh, podcast. Uh, Clearly yeah, the best no. team in the
0: East. We're working our way toward that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, most New Yorkers end up in Florida anyway, right? Exactly.
0: They're our second team.
1: There you go. Okay, so this is a Panthers podcast. I like it. Um, If you're thinking about moving Palmieri, uh, might not be as much value, but still we've seen the center market. If you're willing to retain half, or at least some of it, what about Paggio?
0: I think Like they interviewed Lou yesterday. Um, I think Andrew was there. Ethan was there. It sounded like Shannon was there, just based on everything she was saying on the broadcast. And they asked him a wide range of questions, but he said something to the effect that we can always create more cap space. We could always move players out to create more cap space. And I think he was probably referring to Pajo right? No one more obvious in terms of, right, if you're going to move players to create cap space, you just mentioned one in Palmieri. I don't think Lou's at the point where he's uh, going to trade Nelson. And I don't think that's a move you make for the purpose of creating cap space anyways, right? The no, two he's most uh, obvious he's can-
1: underpaid. I mean, he's a 30 goal scorer. That's getting 6 yeah, million a year. The two
0: most obvious candidates to me are Pajo and and maybe even Suzekus, just considering that his line mates aren't going to be here next year right yeah I, I mean and at just... two and a half million I know a lot of people oh, he's overpaid and the term was like I don't think he's overpaid at two and a half million right when you have teams sniffing around guys like Scott Law in three million teams talking about trading for Nick Dowd I know he's not quite as expensive, but I you know he's he's a similar type player, I guess you could say Center is a. Position that teams usually look to bolster at this time of year, right? Getting good centermen is a hard thing to do. Not that Casey's anything I mean, the special. Are,
1: the Capitals are talking about giving; a, they want a one for Dowd.
0: Yeah, if they're going to get a one for Dowd, we should get something really good for Sizikas, I would think.
1: I mean, I'm just thinking. I no, I Dowd's mean,
0: cheaper, and he has one year less of term, or maybe one or two years less of term. But I, I do think Casey's definitely movable, and you, you probably could get something for him.
1: Yeah, and, and you kind of wonder: is there something that that Lou can do? And and this is kind of what I was getting at. How many games does Patty need to evaluate a team in the sense of, hey, this is what I like about this team. This is what I don't like about this team. This is what I'd like to see change going into next season.
0: I would think he's probably at that point already. I think he probably, like, <laughs> this man knew fairly on with Gautier, right? He probably can evaluate player's playing style is this person giving me buying in practice is what I'm trying to convey to them in practice, translating in any way onto the ice sheet. And by now he should have a pretty good idea as to, you know, who his soldiers are and who aren't.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I just think that, you know, if you're Patty and if you're, if you're Lou, you're talking, Patty and going, okay, listen, we are, you're our coach going forward for the foreseeable future. Can't make another change right now. Um, So, who do you like? Who are your soldiers going forward? Who don't you like? Where's the fat? What can I cut away for you going into next season? And, you know, hey, listen, I get into this argument with Daniel Friedman on Twitter all the time because he talks about, oh, changes need to happen now. Changes can happen whenever opportunity arises. So, I have Mm -hmm. to imagine that from now until throughout the summer, Lou is looking. How can I make this team better? Clearly, this team is not where we want it to be, and we'll go there. Hey, two things I wanted to touch on really quick. What a week. I mean, listen, we, we hate the Rangers, but, man, if you're a Rangers fan, what a week for you. you Rempe kicks the shit out of Matt Martin. They fall yeah. down. They win one of the most exciting hockey games you'll ever see, short of a Stanley Cup, right? The outside series, the outside stadium series. And then they follow that up with not only beating the crap out of the Devils on the ice, but literally – beating the crap out of the Devils.
0: Amazing week for them. Amazing week for a team that has unfortunately peaked a little bit too early. <laughs> That's the sad reality for them. Peaked way too early, and you know what? Teams that peak this early don't do well in the playoffs. So,
1: I'm curious what Drury they does. Think. They might be the second best team in the East. I hate to say it.
0: Right now, they are, for sure.
1: Florida than them?
0: Uh, I'd say Florida, Rangers, Leafs. Yeah, Florida Rangers Leafs. I know people probably like Boston, but I would I would put Boston below. Like if I'd rather be the Leafs than Boston in that playoff series.
1: Yeah, I, I could. I think I could probably make that argument as well. I mean, the Lightning just have too many injuries, and unfortunately for them, I just don't see them having. They don't have the assets to go out there and get. I mean, can uh,
0: we talk about Austin Matthews for a second?
1: We can. I mean, the guy's on pace for what seventy six goals. Something like that. Yeah,
0: it's insane. Like he had one goal last night, which is like, oh well, only one goal last night for Austin. That's that's disappointing like where's yeah. your where's your ha- where's your hat trick buddy
1: he is he is doing what you know very few players in the league have done in a long long time um you know back in the day before the uh, the dead era as they like to call it i guess you 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 routinely saw players scoring you know in the 60s and 70s um, you know, whether it was Brett Hall scoring 86 one year or Mary Lemieux scoring 85 or Wayne Gretzky obviously scoring when he did. Bernie Nichols, I think, scored 71 year. But that just hasn't happened in a while. And, and here we have Austin Matthews with
0: 52 goals. In 55 games.
1: I mean, that is insane.
0: Insane. Almost a goal a game.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, the Leafs, the Leafs might be a bottom eight team without him
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: and and the crazy thing, is so good. The crazy thing about it is if you're playing the Leafs, you know who you need to stop,
0: and you just yet, can't stop him
1: You can't stop him. It's no. just uh absolutely ridiculous what what he has been able to do in the Leafs uh, right now uh in third place, but you know comfortably in third place with seventy two points. I don't think they really care um but I, I I don't think they want to play Florida in round one. that's for sure.
0: No, they definitely want Boston this time around.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Boston, it's just a couple of points ahead of the Panthers. Anyway, not really a lot to digest. I mean, obviously, it's a gloomy week. Like, But as I said earlier, I don't Things will think- get more
0: exciting in a week or two once once the trades start flying. We'll have a lot more... Whether whether the Islanders are in a good spot or not in a good spot, hopefully at least they're involved in that because I think fans enjoy, whether it's buying or selling, just transactions. Transactions gets the blood flowing. Well, it's always one of those things I,
1: I think, Phil, like you want to be active just because you want to have like... If you're just standing on the fence, then it's like, well, what's the point? You're either good right. enough You're either good enough to make some trades and make your team better or you're not, and in that case, let's sell off the debt. Let's sell off the fat, right? Yep. I mean, I, listen, I will say, as depressing as it, as it has been for the New York Islander fans this season, uh, it could be worse. I mean, you could be a Penguins fan, and you could be looking at this aging core yeah, and realize that your team sucks, and you're just headed. You are, you're not even in the tunnel, the rebuild tunnel yet. You're not even in that tunnel yet. But you know you're going to it, and you can't get away from it. You could be the New Jersey Devils coming off of, uh, whatever, 184 points last season. And okay. by the way, early in the season, I remember I told you the Devils going under. You did? I just, I, their did. defense. They they got rid of Adam Graves and, and Damon Severson. Ryan and Graves. They, Ryan Graves, thank you. Um, Adam Graves hasn't been in the league in a while. Wow.
0: Grave Severson losing Hamilton. I mean, a couple of big blows, and the goaltending has really fallen off a cliff. Really yeah. bad goaltending.
1: I mean, you could be a Blue Jacket fan. Oh boy, right? And just being this, yeah. you could be a, you could be a Calgary Flames fan, yeah. right? And not only not only does, not only trading off all the assets, but you got Huberdeau at forty four million dollars a year for the next thirty one years. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Calgary fans again. Anyway, uh, not as much to say, but um. Uh, we will, uh, we'll get to your questions next week. Send them in on X. Uh, my uh, partner in crime here, Phil, is at Phil's Facts. I am at Tuck On Sports. Uh, we talk Islander hockey. We talk NHL hockey. We'll talk anything you guys want to ask us. So uh, we'll do that. But we'll be back next week, hopefully with some better news.